howdy do who fans and welcome to the big blue box podcast my name's gary my name's adam and welcome to episode 268 oh yes one day i shall come back yes i shall come back until then there must be no regrets no tears no anxieties just go forward in all your beliefs and prove to me that i am not mistaken in mine our lives are different to anybody else's that's the exciting thing nobody in the universe can do what we're doing I've reversed the polarity of the neutron flow, so the TARDIS should be free of the force field now. You may be a doctor, but I'm the doctor. The definite article, you might say. The trouble with time travel is, one never seems to find the time. Change, my dear. And it seems not a moment too soon. Unlimited rice pudding, etc., etc. I am the doctor! For now, for this moment, I am the doctor again. The ground beneath our feet is spinning at a thousand miles an hour. And the entire planet is hurtling around the sun at 67,000 miles an hour, and I can feel it. We're falling through space, you and me. People assume that time is a strict progression of cause to effect, but actually, from a non-linear, non-subjective viewpoint, it's more like a big ball of wibbly-wobbly, timey-wimey stuff. I could be a curator. I'd be great at curating. I'd be the great curator. <laughs> I could retire and do that. I'm the doctor. I've lived for over 2,000 years, and not all of them were good. I've made many mistakes, and it's about time that I did something about that. Bit of adrenaline, dash of outrage, and a hint of panic knitted my brain back together. I know exactly who I am. I'm the Doctor. Sorting out fair play throughout the universe. Howdy dowdy doo dee doo dee doo who fans? Welcome aboard, 268. Hope you've all had a cracking week and that you've all managed to do something, something Doctor, Doctor Who, Who related. related. <laughs> During semi-lockdown. During um, a, a really hot, yeah. steaming lockdown. It's yeah, it's bu- quite humid it's baking in the UK, isn't it? Yeah. Makes a change. Yes. Yeah, to all of our listeners in the UK, a bit of a weird time. I'm not sure about our other listeners in other countries, but... Uh, mm. Here in the UK, it's very weird. For those that don't know, our Prime Minister and our government is a little bit... Um, we don't do politics really here, but our Prime <laughs> Minister, is a, the message is a little bit uh, mixed on what you should or shouldn't be doing at the moment in lockdown. So we're in a bit of a weird time. Yes, go outside. Don't go outside. Go outside go if work, you need to. Don't go to go work. To work. Yeah. <laughs> go to work. Don't go to work. If you need to work, go to work. But don't use the bus. But go to work if you need to. But use the bus if you have to. But then don't go to work. Stay inside. It's all a bit like you know. It's all a bit weird. So uh, you can you can you can see a family member if you're in a park, but you can't see them anywhere else. <laughs> yes, I can't have my family over, but I can have the cleaner over. So that's all good. <laughs> yeah. And you can play golf. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Most importantly, the golf yeah. courses are back open. <laughs> What is that? What is going on? What's going on? Crazy times, eh? Crazy. But I hope all of our listeners are doing well and staying safe as always. Uh, we're a bit of a, a bit of a crazy one this week. We're we're running late for the week. So oh yeah, we are. Yeah. So apologies, but I'm sure there are bigger fish to fry. Uh, you been up to anything, Doctor Who, buddy? I've seen. Um, uh, I've not been involved in some of the watch-alongs this week. I've been a bit quiet with that. I've just had other mm. stuff to do. I've been watching other stuff. 
Uh, but I've seen that you've been uh, doing some some watching tweet alongs, which is cool. Yeah, so um, this all came out of um, so the the dot two quiz that we we sometimes get involved in, uh, run by our good friends Callum and Adam. Uh, it's called the Virtual Doctor Who Pub Quiz. Um, they they asked me to do a, a round uh, this week, which um, I was really excited about. And I think I was like, oh, what shall I do it on? Like, I was, you know, they're like, oh, it's going to be time in the Rani because you love that one. And I was like, yeah, I, I could do that. Um, but then I decided to do the like a round on the whole of season 24 as well to open it up a bit. Nice, um, nice. And it's a bit of a, you know, it's 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 one of those seasons, isn't it, that I think um, it gets a bit of a bashing. Uh, some of it rightly so, but I've always had a bit of a fondness for it because I love McCoy's Doctor. And I think it's a, there's a lot of fun in that season, um, even though it's trying to find its feet again. So Adam suggested, um, as there would probably be a lot of people in the quiz that may not have seen those stories, so you've got Time of the Rani, Paradise Towers, Delta and the Bannermen, and Dragonfire. Adam said, why don't I do some tweet-alongs leading up to the quiz? And I was like, brilliant idea, Ad. That way everyone can watch them. They can all do their revision. And, um, yeah, and it'll be really good. So that's what we did. So, yeah, every every night this week leading up to Wednesday to the quiz, um, Adam's been doing tweet-alongs for all those stories. And, uh, and I did the quiz round on Wednesday. So it's really good. So I've watched the whole of season 24 oh, in the nice. space of four cool. days. Yeah. Um, I really enjoyed it, actually, even though mm. I've seen those stories loads. Um, and I think we've reviewed all of them. Is, is, have we still got one McCoy that we haven't reviewed? Is it still Curse of Fenric? Uh, we have, yeah. It's, uh, I think you're right, yeah, Curse of Fenric. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because the one that seemed to be getting a lot of love was um, Doubt and the Bannermen, which oh, really? I think when we reviewed it, that's the one we, we cracked up on because um, of Mel offering her <laughs> room to the, the green baby alien and stuff. But it is fun, isn't it? I mean, it it's, is. a cr- yeah. it's a bonkers story. And it's not to be taken seriously, but I, I have a real fondness for that one. If I'm in the mood just for some switch your brain off, mm-hmm. bit of classic who that's just a bit of fun, I, I think that's a great one to go to. I, I really enjoyed rewatching that. Um, my other half was completely bemused because <laughs> the baby, it's a green baby. He's like, well, well, hang on, it was a puppet a minute ago, and now it's a now it's a ba- an actual baby. And then the next scene, it's a it's a girl. And, I was like, yeah, they, they grow up so fast, these chimerons. They, so <laughs> they do, so, yeah. 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 So Season that was 24, I mean, mate, that's sorry. a belter. Yeah, on our Discord server this morning, actually, somebody said, uh, I'm going to go onto Amazon and buy some classic Doctor Who for some Doctors I've not seen yet. I've, I've been eyeing up some Colin Baker and McCoy. So I said, yeah, you've got some great ones to look forward to in the, mm. in the McCoy series and Series 24. Season twenty four. We're going on the Blu ray box set wording, which still hurts me. <laughs> you hate that word. Don't yeah, you? there's some belters on there, man. It really I is. Paradise Towers is uh, is a great story. Maybe doesn't quite translate to screen, but um, and Richard Price. I love Richard Price, <laughs> but my word, is he chewing the scenery in that in that story? Um, but it's a great like the world that they build mm. in that story. I think is is brilliant. I think it's quite underrated actually. Um, but yeah, so that was really good. I really enjoyed doing the quiz. Uh, enjoyed that a lot. Um, and I think people seem to do all right. I gave him multiple choice. I was easy. On, I, I went easy on him because you, you know softy. Yeah, went I, easy. Know. I wasn't no. going to, but I thought no. So I did multiple. Choice. It was fun coming up with planet names though, and stuff like that. Because I was like, so obviously, you know, one of the answers was Lucretia. And I was like, right, now now I need to think of two other planet names. And so I was coming out with all sorts of things, like Tetrapara. Um, what was the other one? Like Mantaloria or something. So it was good to come up with silly words that meant nothing to try and throw people. Uh, apart from that, um, I've been continuing to read Eccles Cake's book. <laughs> Eccles Cake. Christopher Eccles Cake's. Um, I've managed to read the whole 
one and a half chapters on Doctor Who that he's it's put in there. Um, I, I'm actually really enjoying his book, but uh, and I know it's not about Doctor Who, but it's it's quite frustrating because you just he's just getting into talking about it, <laughs> um, and then he stops. It's a bit like Davidson. Um, you've read Davidson's biography, haven't you? Yeah, it's the same similar he's thing, isn't it? Just yeah. starts talking about the five Doctors, and you're like, "Oh, this is good," and then he he stops and goes on about something else, and you're like, "Ah." But yeah, that was good. So yeah, quite a busy little Who week for me. It's been quite good, actually. Good to watch a bit of McCoy. Good to read a bit of Eccles Cake. Nice. I, I probably will have finished that by by next week. I'm rattling through it out in the sunshine in the garden. Oh, nice. Yeah. So that's been me. What have you been up to? Yeah, uh, not too much, mate. No? Doctor Who-wise, no. No, not you... too much at all. Not this week. I normally um, uh, follow along with the, the, the watch-alongs with the tweets and all that stuff. Uh, the only ones I've seen actually, are your ones. The um, when you said that you wa- you watched all of season twenty four, and you were tweeting out stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw. I've seen your tweets, and they were they were quite cool. But I've not, yeah, not done anything Doctor Who wise, other than watch uh, Vervoids, obviously for for this week. Yeah, it's funny trying to fit that in as yeah. well between McCoy because I was I watched it on. Um, this is before we knew we'd have to record on Friday. I watched it on Monday, um, so I've had. Yeah, a few days to let that sink in. Yeah. Um, what was I going to say? Did you? Oh, there was a listen tweet along, wasn't there, with the Moffat the other night? I didn't get involved in that one, but what a strange choice for an episode of all the Capaldi ones. And I think normally they pick ones if it's like a birthday or it was sort of five years ago since it was shown. But I, it seems like they plucked that out of nowhere. Yeah, um, that was weird, wasn't it? I know mm. the Moffat said he's really proud of that script, but. Um, <laughs> I didn't do the watch along or tweet along, so my memories of that are not that good. I can't remember much about it to be honest. But I remember thinking it was quite messy, like it didn't go anywhere. But uh, I don't know. I almost wish I'd watched it again to familiarise myself with. It. But yeah, the Moffat was having a good old tweet along to that. Yeah, I saw that, but I didn't. I didn't go with the tweet the tweet along. But yeah, mm. it was an odd choice that one. Yeah, a strange one out of all the Capaldis. Which mm. Capaldi would you pick for a tweet along? Capaldi. Um, yeah. I don't know. Mummy on the Orient Express would be good. Oh, yeah. Mummy on the Orient Express. <clears throat> that would yes. be good. Uh, or potentially, uh, I don't know, Face the Raven. It's an interesting one. Because mm. we, we say, well, we thought we were saying goodbye to Clara. I'm not saying that because of Clara. I'm just saying it was a good, mm. a good uh, interesting one to, for her to go. Well, pseudo go, uh, which is quite cool. And then maybe I love the ending to that. By the way, when Capel is just steaming, isn't he? Yeah, you really yeah. feel like he could blow at any minute. That's what I love about Capel Doctor. Yeah, just never know when he's going to kick <laughs> off. <laughs> Do you know what, dude? I think out of all of the all of the modern Doctors, I think, and this is sad to say, but I think Capaldi is the era that I watch the least out of all the modern Doctors. I don't know mm. why that is, but. Yeah, like there are some, like I'm looking down the list at the moment of, of his, of the three series that he did. And I'll be honest with you, mate, there are some on here that I'd completely forgotten about. They even existed, let alone what happens in the story. So tell me what happens in the story Oxygen. Oxygen, yes. <laughs> um, but I'm not even joking, actually. Um, I can't remember. I didn't, I completely forgot that episode Oxygen. even existed. Is that the one mate? where he goes blind? I don't know. <laughs> I don't no, know. I, that, I, I'm not even, I swear I'm not even joking. I can't remember. Exactly. Yeah. I don't know why that is just for some reason, 
the Capaldi stuff I just don't gravitate towards. And it's it's weird because he's such a great doctor in some of those stories. Mm, really good. He is. But yeah. I don't know, dude. No he is idea. a great doctor. I feel the same. I think it's because there there are it's a bit of a Matt Smith thing as well. I love both their doctors, but some of their stories just I just don't feel like rewatching them. Um you know, they're just not up there storytelling just wasn't up there for me with some of theirs because you're quite right i'm looking at the list now and i'm thinking uh eaters of light can you remember anything about that uh eaters a little bit um (laughs) no this is really bad now i'm looking at the list of his stories i'm like you're right i don't you know i mean stuff like robots of sherwood and stuff that you know things stick in your mind and i think into the dalek um when i recently rewatched that with the who addicts uh watch along that actually was not too bad. It was mm. all right, that story. Um, I do think Mum is a, a great one. I think the whole concept of that was really good. Yeah, I seem to remember liking Flatline, but again, I can't remember a lot about it. I remember the mini TARDIS. Oh, that was cool, Flatline. It was the yeah, dudes so that turned into the... Yeah, that. yeah, that was good. Even though it was very focused on Clara, wasn't it, that one? Mm. But I still enjoyed it. Oh, my word, In the Forest of Night. Good Lord, that was that <laughs> was bad. The Zygon Invasion Inversion, I remember, I really yeah, enjoyed. Yeah, that's cool, yeah. But yeah, there's other ones which um, it's yeah. Just I look at the titles and like you said, it's it's a bit blank. It's mm. mostly um, series ten, I think. So series eight, I remember pretty much all of that. All of that mm. stuff was was great. Um, I do. Uh, do you know? I wouldn't mind watching the Monk trilogy again. But do you know what I remember about that is that I I think it had some a really good build up. But if I remember rightly, such a disappointing third sort of. The the the, the wrap up of that story was bad, if I remember rightly. What was that? Like, the uh, that lie of the land. The sort, uh, no, so um, I don't know what the three part was called, but you know, you had the Capaldi was blind, and you had the scary monk things. It was all there was a lot of good stuff going on, and then episode three, I just remember like uh, right. there was like a fake regeneration, and it just went to pot <laughs> well that must have been uh, so that was the pyramid at the end of the world is that was that the third one of the monk trilogy yeah then? it would be yeah. wouldn't it yes yeah, so oxygen extremists and pyramid right. at the end of the, yeah. i think they were sort of loosely linked and um yes i just remember liking a lot of what was going on but then thinking part three was just like oh it just fell apart but I, mm. again i haven't watched them for ages i'm going to go back and rewatch that trilogy yeah. see if it's as good yeah. stroke bad as i remember yeah yeah, like I said, it's a shame because Capaldi as a as the Doctor was really, really good in, in certain great. points. Yeah, so I don't know. I just feel sad. I felt sad about that for a moment because I always go for Eccleston, Tennant, or Smith. Really, I just leave out old uh, old Capaldi. Mm, I know what you mean. I do. Yeah. Anyways, yeah, um, yeah. I haven't done anything else, buddy. Nothing else. Uh, Are you Doctor reading who. any of your mountains of books at the minute? I am, but they're not Doctor Who related at the oh, moment. Okay. Yeah, I'm reading mm-hmm. a I've got a couple of books on the go. Rereading Lord of the Rings at the moment. Oh yeah. Yeah, for like the tenth time or something. That was makes you think of school because I read that at school. <laughs> yeah. Uh and a book about Chernobyl. So nothing oh. Doctor Who related. Cheery stuff then. Cheery stuff <laughs> indeed, yeah. <laughs> um yeah, because uh, it's weird, mate, because I go through weeks where I've got literally nothing like at the, the reason why I haven't watched much Doctor Who is uh it's just loads of other stuff on the watch list that I'm going through at the moment. Um, and then there are other weeks where I've got literally nothing, so I normally then reach for some Doctor Who stuff. But yeah, just quiet at the moment. I'll tell you Doctor what I would Who. recommend to you. I think I said this the other week, but um, 
I've only finished reading it uh, literally two days ago, is the Moffat RTD interview in, in the latest Dot 2 magazine. Oh, yeah. So I, I started reading it when I got it last week or whenever it finally turned up. And I, I finished reading it literally the other day. Um, it's just so funny. I just love those two together. I just <laughs> love it. They really, really just bounce off each other, even on text. It's brilliant. Yeah, if you're in your supermarket <laughs> anytime, I really do recommend picking it up just for that. It's a great interview. That is. They talk about all the stuff they planned, and he was like, well, you know, when you were writing, when I was in charge and you were writing and all this, you know, the banter's great. In oh, that cool. Interview. Yeah, yeah, you would like that, I tell you. That's a, that's a good one for sitting out in the garden and just having a good old laugh. Yeah, oh, nice. great, those cool. two. <laughs> uh, so we've got uh, no news to go through. Which is no, expected at the moment. Going on, is there? Yeah, we've got a couple of bits of merch to get onto before we then review part three of Trial of a Time Lord, mm. which is good. But before we crack on with the rest of the show, remember to subscribe on whatever podcast app you listen to your podcasts on. That way you won't miss a show when it lands every single Friday. Head over to the website, Big Blue Box Podcast at Credit UK. There are links to go off to all of those networks and apps. Plus, there are links to all the social networks that we're on as well, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Give us a like and a follow over there so you can chat Doctor Who throughout the week in between shows. There's also a link to our Discord server. Come and hang out and chat Doctor Who over there. And also check out Adam's uh, YouTube channel, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, I need to get some. I know I haven't uploaded for a while, but I've got, there's some great stuff on there, guys. Go and have a look. But I, I, I can't make vids at the minute um, since Movie Maker decided to do one. <laughs> um, I've tried a couple of uh, editing software things since then, um, but I just haven't got on with any. You know, when you get used to something, <laughs> and Gary will tell you this, when we try to use a, di- a different thing uh, to Skype to record the podcast, I'm not good with technology <laughs> like once i get used to something that's it i will stay with it forever yeah <laughs> so when, when i have to change i'm just not good i fear change and yeah, um, i just can't does. get on with anything at the minute ed- editing <laughs> software wise i just get so movie maker at it all it was so basic and it was so <laughs> easy to use and then one day it just stopped working and i went to try and fix it and apparently it's not a thing anymore they don't do movie maker anymore so that's why i haven't uploaded for a while because i've i just can't get on with the video software that i've got at the minute i need to try a few more (laughs) you have to persevere dude persevere but you're in a habit there's plenty of videos on there to keep you going if you hadn't have a look (laughs) there is a year's worth of great great stuff over there and adam's on the socials as well under the same name the geeks airbag and that i am very active on i love i love the socials i love interacting with people on that yeah Yes, indeedy. So, uh, right, no news. Let's do let's do some merch. Alrighty. Merch corner. Merch corner. Merch corner. It's a bit rubbish, but it's pretty. It's very pretty. Well, there you are, young man. What do you think of that now, eh? A Viking helmet. I know, it's on the telly. It's everywhere. I don't know whether to be impressed or disgusted. I work in a shop now, here to help. <laughs> Oh, someone's got the right arm now. He's sunburned, isn't he? He looks a bit. Oh. He looks a bit red. Yeah, that sun's gone to his head. The last couple of days, as Adam said earlier, in the UK we've had some really lovely hot weather. I don't know why he does it every time. It's like I explain to him, like you should know, like the how physics works and all that stuff. You're essentially a soft, smushy organism <laughs> inside a metal can. So when you go out into the sun. It's a bit like putting a can of peas in the microwave. 
Does he listen? No. 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 So he's got doesn't heat stroke wear, at the wear, minute. Yeah. Doesn't wear any sun cream. Nothing. No. He's he got did one, wear a silly hat the other day though. It made me laugh. He's got one tentacle that's got a suntan. He, <laughs> he pokes just one little tentacle out <laughs> and that's your lot. <laughs> <laughs> so he's not happy. He's got sunstroke at the minute. He's not quite happy, but. He's never happy. He's never happy. Miserable sod. But he has yeah. uh, uh, let us know about a very cool book that's on the way. So BBC Books. <laughs> we can't have, get enough books, can we, Gary? Of course, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> They've announced a new hardback book uh, that goes into, uh, explores the background of some of the important parts of Doctor Who over the years, some, some elements uh, uh, that are worth talking about. It's been written by Paul Lang uh, alongside Jonathan Morris and Penny C.S. Andrews, and uh, it's called Doctor Who, The Monster Vault, The Doctor's Enemies Unlocked. And it's got some cool, I can't see inside the book yet, they haven't given us a preview yet, but it's illustrated by Lee Johnson and Ben Morris. Now I know I've seen some of Ben Morris's stuff in some other books, it's very, very cool. And to give you some blurb on this one, so Doctor Who's biggest and most comprehensive monster guide yet, The Monster Vault takes you on the ultimate tour of the Hooniverse discovering and cataloguing every wonderful and terrifying creature the Doctor has ever encountered. Mm. From the notorious Daleks to the evil Stenza warrior Tim Shah. Oh, God. Mm. Uh, and the ancient um, Tijarians. Uh, the Monster Vault uh, features in-depth profiles on each monster, showing you the Doctor's most dangerous enemies in their natural habitat and unveiling their secret histories. You will also discover how monsters were created and designed, through exclusive behind-the-scenes interviews, anecdotes, case studies, and unseen artwork. This lavish and visually stunning book provides an unrivaled wealth of information, allowing you to explore the rich history of Doctor Who and expand your knowledge and understanding of monsters old and new. That's quite the claim. It is, isn't it? Unrivaled wealth of information. We've been down this road before. Mm. Remember, there was a really, really cool book that came out a few years back now i think it was just called dalek or daleks it was a big hardcover oh yes i do yeah book, do you remember and they yeah. made a similar claim this is like all you ever need to know about the daleks and stuff and then when the first reviews dropped they were like people were just doing this kind of weird side eye and like uh where's all the information about this bit then and where's all that bit and where's all you know, there's like a really important story that you don't mention and all that lot. So mm -hmm. we, we'll see how this uh, how this claim rolls out. But it does sound very cool. It's, it sounds like, like I said, we haven't seen the format yet, but it sounds like mm -hmm. one of those big, nice... Uh, you remember that book that came out, The Doctor Who Vault? I, I think was, it was exactly called. thinking of that. Yeah. yeah, it sounds like it's going to be in a similar size and format to that, which is pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I quite like this, dude. I quite like the idea of... Uh, um, uh, the behind the scenes stuff, you know, and all the unseen artwork and all that. Like, it sounds pretty cool. Yeah, I think it's potentially uh, could be a nice little book. Um, I agree with you. I, th I thought of The Vault as well, which is uh, is a great book, actually. Really, really good book that came out a few years ago, The Doctor Who Vault. Um, yeah, if this is anything like that or, or whatever. Yeah, it does. It's weird because when I first saw the cover, I was like, oh, what is that cover? Um, and yet now I'm looking at it, it's kind of grown on me a little bit, actually. I'm thinking, actually, it's all right. I think it's one of those that will look better in hand, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yep. It does um, look cool. It's, uh, yeah, yeah, it's grown on me. That I just wasn't too struck on it when I first saw it. But Yeah, there's mm. like a circle in the middle with the title of the book, and then there's all these like triangle shards that are sort of 
it doesn't look like an explosion of sorts, but it looks like all these shards and triangles are sort of coming out of it. And then you've got these cool little um, black and white uh, illustrations of some of the monsters and stuff. So, yeah, it looks. And they've got all the important ones on there, on the front. <laughs> of course, the bloody Pating's on there. Oh, is it? Because where's he? Right on the spot. front, top right oh, by the yes, Ice Warrior. Yes, yeah. yes. Ah. He, yeah, he's on there. He, of course he is. He's the most threatening, frightening thing in the universe. Of course, yeah. Of course he's got to be on there. Mind you, we have to give him a bit of slack. They are covering Doctor Who monsters, old and new. So What's it's not that? all about the classic years. Adam, come on, get with the times. <laughs> I know, get with it. What's <laughs> that thing in the bottom, the very bottom right-hand corner? What is that? Oh, yeah, I'm not sure on that one. Is that? It could. Because oh, I recognise it, but I can't think what it is. Yeah. Oh, it's, um. is it a weevil? It could be. With the big teeth. That's the only thing I can... Yeah. yeah, it's very difficult to do this on a podcast because you guys can't see. But if <laughs> it I, turned into a quiz. Yeah, if I put the link, uh, I will do. I'll put the link in the show notes to um uh, to the Amazon page to pre-order it, uh, and you can have a look for yourselves. But yeah, it's uh, I quite like the cover. It's kind of cool. What would be cool is when the final uh, physical book comes out. Uh, is so on the um the cover, all of these triangles are in a gold, and a gold color. It would be cool if they were had that shiny effect when it's printed. Yeah, yeah that'd be cool. Uh, but anyways, yeah, it's out in October. So the end of October, the 22nd, you can pre-order it now from Amazon and probably uh, a bunch of other book websites. And it's £22. 22 Yeah, oh, or you can right. get the Kindle edition for twelve ninety nine if that floats your boat. It won't look as cool on the shelf, but... <laughs> no. Yeah. Another one for us to put on our shelf. Of course. Pile. Yeah. There we go. The Monster Vault out in October. So six new Doctor Who collectors set from character being dropped into B&M stores exclusively to B&M. Uh, so, yeah, we, we are getting um, <laughs> we're getting a fan pack. So it's called the Friends and Foes of the 13th Doctor with Yaz, Graham and a Jadoon wearing his helmet. We are getting oh, this is the one I'm excited for, of course, because I can never get enough uh, models of the TARDIS. We're getting a second Doctor. Uh, TARDIS set, uh, which is based on the War Games. Uh, it's good. I do like the fact that they've put a little um, rip in the Doctor's trousers there on the second Doctor figure. Mm. Attention to detail. Uh, we're getting two Dalek sets, so we're getting uh, a... What what are they called? History of the Dalek sets, which is like the silver and blue Daleks. And uh, we're also getting a Dalek Invasion Earth collector set with the black and blue and silver and grey. We're getting a... What are they calling this set? Uh, Companions of the Fourth Doctor set. That's it. We have Sarah Jane in her combat trousers. Um, this figure in the middle, <laughs> Romana One. <clears throat> uh, yep. It's a bit of a. I mean, I, I really like Romana One, uh, but <laughs> I, I don't know about the choice of costume. I guess they've had to retool some figure to make that. But Romana One, anyway, and Romana Two. And I do like this figure because she's wearing the sort of um, she's wearing the Destiny of the Daleks. Mm -hmm costume which i would think was pretty good easy for them to make so that's a good set we're getting a 1971 unit claws of axos set now this will this will be the one you'll get because it's got <laughs> it's got the brig obviously great figure they have got a good likeness to the brig i'll give them that um sergeant benton and of course captain yates so who doesn't want a benton figure <laughs> on the shelf 
Uh, I can't wait to see that in the background of Gary's uh, <laughs> in the background of Gary's shelf. I think that's it actually. That is six, isn't it? That's that's, that's it. your yep. lot. That's yep. your lot. So six new sets to go and try and track down at your local BM. They're supposed to be coming out the middle of June. Um just quickly before I get your opinion on this, mate, I just want to say, first of all, I, I obviously I always buy these sets. I love I love figures and toys. I always get them no matter how good or bad. Um I am looking forward to getting that TARDIS set. What I'm not looking forward to is going to B&M and trying to get these because it's bad enough normally because people, as we know, lots of people just go and buy all, pull the stock and then they put them on eBay for silly prices and fans can't get their hands on them, blah, blah, blah. You can't order them online, blah, blah, blah. So there's that. But the thing that's really, really <clears throat> um, worrying me about trying to get these sets sort of genuinely is that um, is going into the actual B&M store to get them because we went to our supermarket last week to get the groceries and obviously we're still in lockdown. Things are still, you know, uh, being monitored and all that sort of stuff. And next door to the Sainsbury's we went to was a B&M store. And I said, oh, I'm, I'm just going to nip in because, you know, this, it's open. This, they're still open and, you know, the lockdown's easing. And I said, I'm just, you, you go and get the shopping to my other half. I'm just going to nip into B&M. I have never wanted to get out of a place so quickly in my life. And I'm not even exaggerating. It was... I walked in the door and it was packed and I tried to turn around to go straight back out and couldn't because there were people behind me. No one, and I mean no one, was social distancing at all. So I had to fight my... I didn't even look at anything in there. I just wanted to get straight out It was because I couldn't believe how busy it was. So I literally fought my way to the tills and had to say to her, I'm not buying anything. I just want to come through. I just want to get out. And she was like, oh, okay. So, but just even just getting to the tills, mate... Um, just no one was, it was just rammed. There was just people all around me. I couldn't stand it. There was no social distance. So I'm really, really dreading trying to get these. Um, I have to be honest. I just wish that they could make them available online. I mean, it's 2020 B&M for goodness sake. (laughs) Well, that's the, yeah, I think that's part of the, that's part of what they're going for. I think is, is to steer clear of that and get people into that. I think that's part of the pull really, you know, if they get, a thousand Doctor Who fans into B and M stores. Hopefully, they'll yeah. buy other stuff. You know, so it's, yeah, I just it's, think in this time of lockdown, they need to. Even if they set up a, an eBay store, mm-hmm. because you know that's the thing, they'll just go up on eBay for twice the price and stuff. I mean, when the last figure set came out, that was the Thirteenth Doctor ones, not that weren't exclusive to B and M. It was such a joy. It was so mm-hmm. easy. Went on Forbidden Planet website, ordered it, arrived two weeks later. You know, when they were released. It's just so easy when they're not exclusive to be in it. But anyway, rant over. <laughs> I'm just not looking forward to actually having to try and get these. I really don't want to venture out to the store to get them. But um, unfortunately, with B&M, you have to. Um, but yeah, they do look good. That's me. Anyway, I just want to know, any of these sets, I know you're not a figure person. I can't imagine you picking any of these up. But is anything there slightly tempting you? Well, I am a figure person. I'm, I'm just not a fan of character over the oh, last okay. couple of yes, years yeah yes. Uh, so the it's a real shame about the um the the claws of axos set because the brig looks quite cool he but, is good but with the the other figures so yates and benton you can see it's what they've done from a, the difference isn't it yeah from a from a financial point of view you can see what they've done from the neck down the figures are identical all they've done yeah. is they've tried to tweak the face just a little bit even the hat you know the berets that's exactly the same so um they've just tried to tweak the face a little bit so that's a bit of a shame but um 
and yeah, the Romana ones and Sarah Jane. Yeah. Uh, the only one I would consider really would be the second Doctor in the TARDIS, I think. Yeah, he does look I do like cool. the look of that. Yeah, maybe the Dalek, maybe the Daleks, but the Dalek invasion Earth one, the black and blue, that the looks black and good. the silver. Could you get the silver one and the black and blue one with that? Mm. Yeah, that looks kind of cool. So maybe, yeah, maybe, yeah. I assume you're going to try and bag these, but do yes, I yeah, I'll I'll try and get them all. I I just you know me, I love collecting these sets, so I do I really do. So um. Yes, I'll be trying to get them. But the TARDIS is the one that I'm immediately drawn to. Yeah. Um, it's They've put a different lamp on it. The signage is a bit different. Um, it's nice to have a second Doctor set. So, yeah, that's the one I'd like to get. Yes. And when, do we, when are these out next month? Some point it's supposed in June. to be middle of June. It's supposed to be starting to hit the stores. So, yeah. I think if, you're in a, if you live in the US, um, these are going to be available from the... Uh, official north american dot two store bbc shop so you lucky us people should be able to order these online i believe oh nice uh, God, imagine if we still had the bbc shop i used to order quite a lot from them <laughs> uh that was cool actually when we had the beat yeah the, the official yeah. bbc shop yeah yep yeah times have changed mate eh? they have oh dear anyway bm bnm sets on the way right that's it for news and match time for our review what we got this week dude yeah so part three of the trial of a time lord season with colin baker <laughs> and this one's called terror of the vervoids i was taken out of time for another reason and i have every intention of finding out what it is my submission concerns a crisis which threatens the lives not only of a group of people confined together with no means of escape would, if unresolved, threaten every mortal being on the planet Earth? Yes, it is. Captain Tonka Travers, Commodore. Oh, didn't you send the medical? My dear Melanie, if you wish to pursue this completely arbitrary course, pray hurry along to the hydroponic center. Hold it! I reviewed that section earlier when I was preparing my defense. There have been changes. No, look, I, I'm sorry, madam, I can't explain, but I have a feeling I am being manipulated. No, it is we who are being manipulated. Can't you accept we're on the brink of disaster? But I expected the professor to grasp the enormity of our folly. We've no reason to believe the results of our experiments are other than benign. What are they? And how do they link with these murderers? I'm going to find out about it. <laughs> is that one of Reese Gallifrey 97's trailers? Uh, no, not that one. Oh, okay. I was hoping it was just simply so I could say happy birthday to him because I believe it's his birthday. But as we've used him before, happy birthday, Reese from Gallifrey 97. An absolute uh, yes. dude. Happy we, birthday, yeah. we usually use his trailers without asking. So. <laughs> yeah, he's a top guy, Reese. Yeah, he is a top uh, guy. Known him for years, haven't we? Meet, met up with him uh, yes. quite a few times. A top guy. Yeah, happy birthday, dude. Uh, right, Terror of the Vervoids, it was first broadcast, uh, started on the 1st of November and finished up on the 22nd of November, 1986. It's a four-parter. It was written by Pippin Jane Baker, mm. uh, directed by Chris Clough. Recognise that name, obviously. Mm. Uh, overseen by John Nathan Turner. And the uh, the sort of rough synopsis for this one is we're on... Uh, part three of the overall trial of a Time Lord. So now we're in the Doctor's future. So we've done his past, present. Now we're in 
in the future. And we said goodbye to Perry in the last one. Now we get to see his future companion, which we know turns out to be Mel, Melanie Bush. And the two of them receive a distress call, so they go on to the, uh, the Hyperion 3, which is such a cool name. Mm. It's kind of like this, uh, like a cruise liner in space, I suppose. And uh, there's these um, uh, scientist dudes who are trying to ship back this uh, dodgy uh, experiment of theirs back to Earth. And it goes a little bit awry. Uh, these pods hatch and uh, the vervoids uh, unleash um, unleash themselves and uh, their instinct kicks in and they immediately want to just wipe out all of human life or animal uh, life, as they put it, animal kind. And, uh, but they obviously get stopped. And uh, this kind of compounds the evidence stacking up against the Doctor because while this is going on, like the other two parts we've already seen, the the show sort of cuts to and from the courtroom scene with the veil yard and stuff. And the uh, the Doctor's kind of changed his, his tune a little bit now. When we first kicked off with um, the Mysterious Planet, he was very, very just almost finding the whole thing a bit of a farce and very laughable. And he was very confident. Oh, this is all a farce. You know, nothing's going to happen. But now at this stage in the game, he's looking a bit worried. He's, um, mm. you know, because now we can see that he's looking at the bigger picture, like the other people in the courtroom. They're focusing very much on the events that are happening on the the, the Matrix screen as they're watching it. But the doctor's looking at the bigger picture. He's like, hold on a minute. I can see things are starting to be manipulated against me now. I can see that. Because there's a few times where he's like, hold on a minute. I watched The Matrix earlier. And now it's changed. And nobody quite believes him at the moment. And mm. and that sort of thing. So he's changed his tune a little bit in the courtroom. He's starting to look a bit nervous now. And, uh, and, and then, yeah, uh, at the end of it, when he defeats the Vervoids, uh, which was the Valeyard's plan all along, um, that contradicts quite a big law in Time Lord law, I suppose. Uh, I think it's something seven, chapter seven. Law something seven, seven yeah. yeah uh, where he's essentially wiped out an entire race of, of beings because even though there's only a few of them, they were the only ones. So now he's been charged with genocide as long with interfering and murder and all that stuff. So, yeah, we're at, to, we're at part three. Hmm. Terror of the Vervoids. So, how are you on this one, buddy? Because last week we we differed a little bit. I think in part one, in the Serious Planet, we were fairly similar, mm. and in part two, I didn't uh, I didn't rate last week very Michael, highly at no. all. Whereas you were a bit more like you know you you preferred it to part one. So where are you now then with part three? Part three. Um, I I've got to be honest. I really struggled with this one. Yeah. I really did struggle. Um, it just felt very stilted. Um, and I found myself getting. I found it a bit tedious, to be honest with you. Um, and I think it's probably the story I've watched least out of this series. I think, to be honest, I probably should have given it another watch because I don't think I was in the right mood for it. Um, I think because I'd been watching season 24, which I find a lot of fun, and it sort of rattles along at quite a nice pace, those stories, even you know with all their problems. With this one, watching it sort of alongside season 24, I, I just really struggled. I, I was just quite bored. Um, I thought the sets were drab. Performances were pretty drab. Um, there, there is bits of it I liked. Um, 
and bizarrely, <laughs> I think episodes three and four, so normally episode three is where things take a dip. I thought things actually started to pick up in episodes three and four in this. Uh, thank goodness, because I episodes one and two, I was really thinking like, you know, God, can something happen? A, this is very talky and and just, I don't know, it just wasn't doing anything for me at all. So <laughs> overall, I'm not uh, overly impressed with this story. Um yeah, it just didn't really do much for me, this one. No. I was quite sort of pleased when it wrapped up, and there was some good... I mean, I didn't sort of guess who was behind it all. I well, I changed my mind a couple of times, so that's good. It, you know, it wasn't that predictable. It's one thing I will say about it. it had a few nice little changes in it, but... Um, yeah, I, the reason I say I should have watched it again is because I don't feel I really... Normally when we do a review, I really try and concentrate on the story so that I know what it's about. When I finished watching this four-parter... I had zoned out a lot and I don't really feel I gave it enough attention because I don't really know what was happening. By episode four, I kind of just wanted it to end. So I wasn't really paying enough attention to it, uh, really. I, I'd sort of stopped caring, I suppose, because, you know, when they sort of revealed who the murderer was in brackets and stuff like that, and I was like, what, who's he again? I, I just lost the plot a bit in this one. To be honest with you, I just got bored, unfortunately. So yeah, it's, it's probably my it's my least favourite of the three so far. Right, right. What do you there think, Terror of the Vervoids. Um, yeah, I think I'm with you on this one, dude. I, oh, right. I found yeah, I found it's just a real struggle to get through. Mm. I'll be honest with you there. I think when we got to the end of part two, because I thought it was going to be a fairly a fairly decent run. Because there's a really good cliffhanger at the end of part one. It is a good cliffhanger. Although Mel's scream nearly shattered my TV. Oh, yeah. They, oh. Amp, they amped the volume. The old uh, Mark Ayres, when they were doing the re, the redo for this, for the Blu-ray uh, set. Yeah, we need to crank that scream up a bit, lads. Oh, <laughs> ear-piercing. It, yeah. So I, th yeah, so I thought, oh, this is pretty good. We've got a really good cliffhanger at the end of part one. But then literally about 10 minutes into part two. I thought, oh no. <laughs> yeah, it just, um, the thing that I, uh, the thing that I struggle with the most with this part is that it feels very lackluster. It really does, yeah. In its performance for pretty much everything. I mean, there are times when, because, you know, there's plenty of stories that, that are out there and, you know, plenty that we've reviewed where, We've said plenty of times, you know, the story, the story's not great. The script's not brilliant, but the whoever actor or actors has really put in a stellar performance. And because of that, it's ended up being a pretty good story. I can't even really say that with this one, to be honest with you. I think even, even Colin Baker, uh, I think he's just starting to lose the will to live with it after a little while. Cause there are times when there are times like when we reviewed the mysterious planet, some of the best scenes for me was when he was in the courtroom facing off against the Valyard. I thought, yeah, he's really on it. Yeah. He's like, you know, day one of filming, he's enthusiastic and he's he's just going to, you know, he was on fire. He was really good. But then as we've gone through and now we're at part three, it just seems like, it, it seems like everybody involved has just been like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't have, maybe we shouldn't have four-parted this one. Maybe we should have wrapped up this week and like gone out on a belter because we've got another week to do <laughs> before we wrap it all up. You know, it's uh, 
Uh, and then some of the people that I mean, like you mentioned, the performances from some of the other cast members, like, and it also moves really slowly as well. That's the other thing, like the, the some of the like in what part was it? I think it was part two or part ten. However, you want to look at the parts across the thing. Um, you know when they're going from they need to oh no it's part three when they need to find a tape that's like a bit of evidence they need to find oh, this yes, tape yes how long does it take you know for them to walk down a few corridors you know they go into one room and they find it's all messy and they go back and then they do something else and then there's another conversation somewhere and you think well what's happening with this tape then because that was the priority a second ago then there's mm. some people talking about something else and then we come back and then after all that build up the guy and uh and the doctor is uh he just pulls it out of his pocket. He's like, here we yeah, go. Here here it go. Is. Here's a tape, yeah. by the way. And it's just really like every, all of these sort of mini little events that happen, even like the really big stuff, like the ship that's, you know, heading towards a black hole. Uh, even that's, you know, all these things are sort of anticlimactic as you go through the story. Nothing really has any big, apart from that cliffhanger to episode one, which I really liked. Everything else is just like, oh, this is building. No. No, we're we're back again. Oh, this bit's building. No, no, we're back at slow pace again. Oh, this bit's going to be written. No, no, no. So that's how I felt, mate. I just it, it's really slow. Yeah, because I, I I know what you mean. Because there's a bit where um, cliffhanger to part two, maybe I don't know. There's a bit where they sort of open this sort of pod or bed or whatever it is, and there's a woman who started to sort of turn half plant like, mm. and her eyes all pulsating and. I was thinking, oh, that looks great. That's really creepy. Is she gonna? What's she gonna do? She doesn't even get off the bed. She, she like, it just doesn't go anywhere, does it? She no, doesn't do no. anything. She just lays and there and sort of stares at them. Yeah, while they um, scream. Yeah. So things like that, I agree. I think the thing with it is that is the lacklustre performance of the cast as well. Mm. I got I got to agree with you on that because, especially Doland, does that. Does Malcolm Tierney know that the cameras are rolling? I've never seen anyone give such a bland, <laughs> boring... He, I mean, the way he says he's like... I can't hear what he's saying half the time. He's just mumbling along, Doctor, don't move. It's like, oh, for goodness sake. If I'd have been the director, I'd have been on that floor and been like, uh, Malcolm, can you put a bit of fire in the belly, mate? Come on. He, he yeah. is just so yeah. drab. Um, it's unbelievable. But he's, uh, the, you know, the rest of the cast are, are not much better. The only ones for me that were putting anything into their performance was Bonnie, bless her, is trying really hard, I think. She she's is, trying yeah. to inject some fear and she's running around. She's, at least she's up for, you know, doing something. And um, Anonna Blackman, I mean, she's, she does often play these sort of parts, but she's good at them. <laughs> You know, playing the sort mm -hmm. of mouthy old the old lash, yeah, yeah. So again, she gives a sort of pretty standard but solid performance. So apart from Bonnie and Anna Blackman, uh, what's Anna Blackman's name? Is Professor Lasky or something? Lasky. Um, yeah. yeah. She apart from those two, and Colin, I'm sorry to say, just is pretty much going through the motions a bit in this. But uh, yeah, the rest of them are so drab and. Yes, you can criticise us all you like for forgetting names, but there was no way in this world I was going to remember anyone's name in this because <laughs> they simply didn't care about any of them, yeah, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, there's that bit where the Doctor recognises um, the guy on the spaceship, uh, Travers, is it? Um, 
and you think, oh, how does the doctor know him? And again, it just doesn't really go anywhere. It's just pointless. And oh, we've met before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, stuff like that. So, yeah, I, I think if the cast had perhaps just put a little bit more effort in it, you know, it might have brought it up a bit. But that's what I mean. It's so stilted. It's it's like watching a stage play with really bad sets that, that basically it's their hundreds and tenths performance and they've been, you know, they're, they're pretty worn down, but, oh, we've got to go on stage again tonight because the audience are all there and they're in the house is packed. So they stroll on, they read the lines, and they stroll off, they get changed, they go home. That's what it feels like to me. It's just like watching a, a really run-in-the-mill stage play that just doesn't have any go about it at all. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I read you, mate. Um, yeah, there are, there are some cool bits to it, though. However, there are a couple of yeah, cool sorry, bits. I will, t- I will try and balance my reviews <laughs> yeah. to positive. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. There, there was one character that I really liked, actually. But he wasn't in it that often, which is a shame. Uh, it was uh, the character called, uh, it's either Bruckner or Bruchner. He was one of the scientists that was in cahoots with Lasky and Doland. Uh, he was the guy that was sort of bald on top with the hair around the side and the, and the mustache and stuff. Yes, yes. He, what you mean. Yeah, so there's a, uh, especially in part three, he, he just goes nuts. He's, he's getting quite panicky and hysterical about the whole situation. And the other yeah. two... They're just like, oh, shut up. But then he's sort of going off on one and then he, he just loses it. You know, he starts knocking people out. He takes over the ship and because <laughs> he sees from a scientific point of view what's going to happen when they get back to Earth. He knows what's going to happen. It's going to wipe out, you know, human life essentially. So he, even though the other two are like, oh, we'll sort it out. Don't worry. This is, um, mm-hmm. so Lasky and, and Dolan, they're like, oh, be quiet. But this guy, he's like, no, no, no. And he loses it and he knocks people out and then he takes control of the ship and he's flying it. He changes the, the course and he, he's like going to fly the ship into the black hole and kill everybody. So he was a really interesting character to me because he just the way that he, um, uh, David Allister, who played him, just the way he played this kind of, uh, he played it in a, in a sort of paranoid, jumpy sort of way as well when they go down to investigate where the pods have been uh, hatched and all the rest of it. The uh, the other guy Doland is like, uh, you know, everything's fine. He's always trying to sort of. His performance was drab anyway, so you know mm-hmm. everything was going to be low key anyway. But uh, but Bruckner's like, I can't. Is it Bruckner or Bruckner? I really can't remember. Uh, he's like, no, I saw movement. I saw someone out there, and they run out, and he's just like, will you calm down? And he's like, and they have these you know series of arguments with each other and stuff. And at the end, it, you know, he gets killed. Unfortunately, I think the vervoids unleash some gas into the cockpit into yeah. the into the bridge and kill him but uh just a, a really cool little character that provided a bit of spice to to the story and have really needed i think if he'd have did. if they'd have stretched out a little bit longer for him and and we had this kind of will he won't he will he will they stop him before they go into the black because that could have been a much better because what i would have liked to have seen in my you know professional decades of screenwriting obviously what I would like to have seen is the focus move away from the vervoids earlier on in the... Because I get what they were trying to do. There was a bit of a slow build-up, wasn't it? It's quite a while into the story before we actually see the vervoids. So you can see what they were doing as a big build-up. But I'd like to have seen them shown earlier and then the focus shift away from those guys and more about the ship going into the black hole. Because that would have been an like, awesome, like massive build-up with Bruckner... Uh, sort of holding on for longer 
and like them trying to stop him and all that stuff. And then that could have been a really good climax, like a real sort of on the, on the edge of your seat stuff, like the ship's just about to get pulled in by the black hole, but then the doctor comes up with one of his really cool plans and, and does that stuff. So that, that stuff I found really cool, but there just wasn't enough of it with that character. I, I didn't. Yeah. Cause I didn't really feel any sort of threat from the black hole at all. It was kind of there in the background. Oh, we're near a black hole, but there wasn't anything. Yeah. That they didn't build up at all. Yeah. Um, the vervoids themselves, I think, they they have the potential to be really quite scary and creepy if they were shot better, um, you know, kept a bit more in the shadows, if you know what I mean. But we sort of see we you know the, we the way they're shot, we see far too much of them. We because the, from a distance they look quite good, don't they? But then when you come up and they're all sort of cloth and you can see the tracksuit bottoms underneath the costume and you know the way they're shot isn't particularly what done well, I don't think. But they I do think they had potential. I think the design. I know mm-hmm. we laugh and because it does look a little bit rude from some angles but um but i do think they had the potential to be creepy because you know when they're firing darts into people's necks and hands and things it, it's quite gross so yeah i think they had a lot more potential to their voice the robot things are quite interesting as well what are they called those those robot people that are on there the robot <laughs> um, one people. of them turns out to be a human doesn't it you know they take the mask off oh yeah they're not robots they're um oh are they not, oh, they, they are robots aren't they they're um Actually, I don't think they are. I don't know. They're, they're beings in a case. Uh, see, this is the this is the reason I wish I'd given it another watch because I don't even really know what they are. The uh, And I know that there are people yeah. would be shouting at me saying, well, of course, there's, you know, whatever they were. I think they had potential as well because you weren't sure. You, you felt like they might be bad or they could be good. You weren't sure about them. And I do like the bit when they take off the mask the second time mm-hmm. and they've done this, they've sort of put this grey over the mouth yeah and painting the god i thought that was creepy and that looked really good i thought um so i I was more i'd like to have a bit more of them involved in it as well like what were they doing because it reminded me a little bit of sort of robots of death you know but just not done anywhere near as well that you couldn't work out if they were good or bad yeah the megarians they were that's it megarians because the doctor the doctor spots that one of them isn't using the translator that's right yeah uh, so he's yeah. Uh, is it a human in there or something again i'm sorry i, I should have watched kept more carefully I, d- I didn't really know why there was a human dressed as a mongarian what was their reason for that uh well it, i think it was the guy that they mistook when they first arrived on the ships you know oh, there was, was that old yes. guy yes and he was like oh right. you're professor or something whatever and he's like no i'm not and he, he runs off that's it i think yeah. it was that guy it was yeah it was that guy yeah yeah but the Megarians, they're um they were cool. And do you know what? The first time I watched this a few years ago, I remember when because there's three of them that stand together, and then one, you know, one puts his translator on, and yeah. then the other one doesn't. And I was, I was like, had my smug face on when I first watched it because I was like, there's a mistake in the program. That one hasn't put his his translator on. I found a mistake in Doctor Who. Aren't I brilliant? And then when we go forward a bit to the courtroom, the doctor's like, ah. I think you'll find that there's a there's a a, a thing going on here because then it was all staged basically it was yeah, like yeah. The, the mistake was meant to be obvious and I was like oh I thought I found a a mistake then within Doctor Who but yeah so that was that was kind of cool um yeah because this is the one with the least amount of courtroom scenes I think and I was sat there thinking come on I just need something to break break the story up and and wake me up a bit so I would have actually liked a bit more of that um does the courtroom look like it's lit differently to you as well it looks a bit more somber it's not as bright is it in this one 
Uh, I hadn't noticed that, to the be honest. The courtroom itself no, it just noticed. looks yeah. like... Oh, I just thought it looked different. Um, I wondered if it's because they were sort of mourning Perry or something, because that's one thing I did like, is that it starts with... The, the doctor's obviously gone off and had a bereavement rest, doesn't he? He's, they've allowed him time to go and let sink in, you know, that Perry has died. So I like the fact it started with that, rather than just sort of forgetting all about her straight away. Mm-hmm. Um, and I... I did find the intro with Mel quite funny when she's like got him on the exercise bike, Mm -hmm. uh, uh, you know, and all that sort of stuff. That was quite funny. That was funny actually. Yeah. And the carrot juice line. And (laughs) so what do you think about Sixie and Mel together? Cause it's a totally different dynamic, isn't it? Mel's quite bossy. She's firing all the shots and the doctor (laughs) seems to be not under the thumb exactly, but he's, um, He's certainly not the doctor that we saw in the twin dilemma, is he? Not He'd at have all. strangled yeah. Mel, that doctor. But this <laughs> one, he's like, he's on the exercise bike. He's seems to be taking orders from her. Um, what do you think of the dynamic between those two so far? Yeah, I quite like this one. It's and, just different, isn't it? I like it. Yeah, it's kind of cool because we did, we did, have, we had good things to say when we kicked off the mysterious planet with Perry, because mm. we we noted that the chemistry between them was different. It was more, it was a happier atmosphere. It was written slightly differently, a bit more upbeat and not so much the doctor just being a complete dick to her all the time. Yeah, so that was cool. Wobbling. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then this one, do you know what? I think it, it's just something to do with Nicola Bryant's performance as well, because as much as I appreciate the writing that changed and everything, even when it was a, a nicer atmosphere between the two of them, she was still like, you know, Oh, doctor. Oh, oh no, she's oh, very whiny. Doc- yeah, it oh. was that all the time, wasn't it, still? Like, yeah. oh, oh, doctor. Or, you know, every five minutes. So the fact that Mel's very much like, oh, sod off. You know, she's got that kind of, you know, you either do it or you don't. I don't care. And we're going to go and do this kind of thing. She's got a bit more um, fire in the belly. Yes, yeah. I'm, I'm, li- yeah. I'm liking Mel. I think we don't get much of these two together. Um, but there's, there's a good scope for a bit of comedy between yeah. you know there's sort of much needed sort of light relief i think with with these two i do feel sorry for colin though i mean <laughs> what have they put him in in this story so they've looked at him and they thought do you know colin looks good on screen but what this guy really needs is a bit more color <laughs> so not only has he got that coat on which i do like by the way I've, i like the six doctors coat but you know, it's very colourful. It certainly doesn't need a really garish waistcoat added underneath, <laughs> and it certainly doesn't need another uh, another thing added of a of a cravat with yellow cravat. With he just looks so. He must have been baking in all of that <laughs> stuff, and it, it doesn't do him any favours. I mean, the waistcoat is hideous. Yeah. It, if well, anything, they should have simplified the costume, even just the coat and a white shirt. But he really looks done up like a dog's dinner in this i I just feel sorry for colin happen to try and act under all that stuff yeah well i think there was um i i I don't think we mentioned this um back when we were uh, back when we were talking about the previous parts but there was something to do with the change in his costume that was meant to signify the time period that we were looking at him in of course yes because this is supposed to be his future right yeah yeah so in the mysterious planet the, 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 I think the cravat and the, the waistcoat maybe that you see during the time on the planet is different to when he's in the courtroom. And I think they yes. tried to do a similar thing here where it's just 
just a little visual cue just to let you know that you're looking at the doctor in a different time period than the courtroom. I think that's what they were going for. It makes perfect sense, actually. Yeah. I should have realised that. But it is hideous, fair. mate. I mean, yeah. it certainly, it certainly um, is noticeable. <laughs> yeah, oh, you're yeah. Abs- that yeah. does make absolute sense. I should have thought of that. Um, but it's hideous. I mean, the waistcoat is just garish beyond belief. Um, I just, I just felt sorry for him under, under all of that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No, I completely agree, man. It's, um, yeah. And you do feel sorry for Colin though, in a way, don't you? Because, you know, when you look back, I mean, how the, how the hell he's hair permed. Yeah. I mean, if that's, I mean, that is a real, a real testament to the character though of Colin Baker himself as a, as a person, because if you look at the crap that he went through, so not only did, you know, did they, not give him the best stories really in terms of writing for the show at that point. They also dressed him up to look like a complete idiot in a, in a lot of it, even though some people are a fan of that, that outfit, you know, they dressed him in like a complete idiot for a lot of it. And then they fired him to boot. And then you look at someone like Chris Eccleston who had a bit of a spat with Russell and he won't touch anything to do with like on screen doctor who now forever. It seems you know, yeah. he's kind of dipped his toe in the water a little bit with conventions over the last year or so, and he's warmed up a little bit to fandom, but he won't touch anything to do with the TV series or anything that Russell's worked on. You know, he just won't go near it. Whereas you've got Colin that was treated like absolute beep, and he's he's always, you know, up for anything to do with it. So He does rise, rise above it. I mean, does. anyone who's ever seen him, I mean... Colin will always give a good performance that, you know, in terms of uh, no matter how he's dressed. Um, if you look at him in this Blake seven episode, my word, that costume <laughs> to rise above that. So yeah, he always will rise to the occasion if you like, but I didn't understand why he was chose a, a story from his future as well, because how would he even know that that was going to help him in the court case? So if it's his future, I get that he's um, been allowed to watch it, but I didn't get that concept either. Like, yes, this is a story for my future that hasn't even happened yet, but I know how what happened because I'm going to watch it. And so when I do finally live that story for real, I'll have already seen it on the screen. It just didn't make any sense to me, that. Um, yeah, I think initially, I, I could be wrong, but I think initially the Doctor wanted to pick this particular story or adventure if you like because it was meant to highlight the fact that he was called upon to help so he's they Mm. received the mayday message so he was basically requested to go and try and help because there was emergency and then as that played out the the veil yard's gone in afterwards and has gone "Uh aha i can i can see what you're trying to do here but i'm going to tinker with the matrix a little bit more and now i'm going to turn this around and make it look like you've you know, you've, you've caused, a, caused a load more deaths and wiped out the vervoids and stuff. So, How would the Doctor have known about it if it's in his future? How would he have known that, oh, that would be a good one to pick? Because <laughs> um, he wouldn't have known it had happened. Well. Or did someone say, oh, I've got a good one for you. <laughs> i got a good one for you, Doctor. This is, put, <laughs> put this cassette in the recorder because this is a good one. Yes. Um I, I don't know. I mean, I just didn't didn't quite get it. I mean, I guess the the future thing's got to happen because we're introducing Mel. Yeah. So it's got to be in the future because of Mel. But yeah, I don't know. I think it opens a, a few cans of worms that I'm not quite sure. Because I'm guessing when he leaves with Mel at the end then, oh, I guess we'll have to see in the next part. But I just can't work out how it sort of all comes together. Yeah, I mean... 
Yeah, I mean, I, I do struggle with that when you have to think sort of timey-wimey. Like, yeah, how would he bit, know yeah. about that yet? Because he would have to cross his own time stream to go and look at his future and stuff and all that. It, it does get a bit timey-wimey. So it's best just to... <laughs> It's best just to have this one swept under the carpet a little bit. <laughs> did he, did he <laughs> dwell on Perry's death enough? Do you think? Oh no! I mean, I, we don't I, want to dwell on it too much. But did he? he not really. Know, again, I suppose no. It's a, it's a real. It's all off screen, I suppose. Which you could say he was. We don't know yeah. how long he was out there for, but. Yeah, I guess. I mean, it's a it's a it's a sad one for Perry, really, because she was taken out of the show very abruptly. Without yeah. without any goodbyes like a lot of the companions do get, and then when the Doctor does have that moment of of uh, of reflection at the start in the courtroom about Perry, it's over pretty quick, and then we move on. So poor old Perry, she's been she's been wiped <laughs> she's been wiped off the show like fairly conveniently, and then before we have a a decent chunk of time, because mind you, I suppose that. Davison didn't really mourn Adric too much. You know, there was a couple of scenes where <laughs> there was a couple of scenes where um, no, he didn't. Did some, he? Somebody mentioned, I think it might have been Tegan who said something to the Doctor about um, about Adric, and he just sort of has this forlorn look for a second. He's like, "Yes," you know, and he and he may, he says something, and then they just move on, and then that's, that's it, it. Like with a click of the fingers, like you know, we're off and rolling again. So. Yeah, I don't that's think that's right. unique to Colin. I think sometimes you've yeah. got to crack on, especially with people like Adric. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Nice lad. But anyway, are you making tea or not? <laughs> yeah. Where's those cocktails? <laughs> Hang on a minute. <laughs> what do you think to the um, the undercover dude that uh, sort of went nuts as well at the end? Uh, Rudge, he was the Dennis Hawthorne. He played the security guy. So Commodore Travers always had the hunt with him. So Travers yeah. was always like, you're meant to be head of security and you've let this go on. What the bloody hell are you playing at? So uh, Rudge, he kind of uh, loses his crap as well towards the end. And that was quite cool. He was one of the better ones, wasn't he? <laughs> I have to say, yeah, in a cast that wasn't particularly great. He, he at least was given a bit of something, I thought. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't too bad. That well, was quite funny cool. guns, those strange, like firing, they were weird guns, weren't they? Oh, the, um, the staple it's, guns with the, yeah, staple gun. gun. That's yeah. it. I knew. Yeah, I knew it reminded me of something. Yeah, staple gun. Yeah, I think they have to try things now and then, don't they? They can't keep using the same style of weapon. They have to come up with something. Yeah, no, I thought it was cool. Yeah, I, yeah, I like the fact it was just a little bit different. Yeah, I'll tell you what else was a bit different. And I, the music. <laughs> oh, the, the music! Music's yeah. dreadful in this. Yeah, it's, it's another mm. thing. Who did the music in this? I love the way you uh, say that Malcolm sometimes. Malcolm Clark. Oh, who did the music for this? It did. I didn't <laughs> like the music in this. No, nah, I mean to nah. be fair. Um, uh, I know the name Malcolm Clark. I think he's done quite a bit as well. Sorry, Malcolm. Yeah, uh, I don't know. It just quite didn't, cool. didn't fit. Yes, yes, uh, sure. It's, it's good. He did that as well, did he? And also, um, not that it's a great story. Hold on, hold on. Oh, have I just let slip a? A future score of something we haven't reviewed yet. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. Hold on. No, we've done it. Yeah. So even though it's not a great story, uh, the music to the Twin Dilemma is really cool. Did you do that? I do. I do quite like the music in that. Actually. Yeah. So you've oh, done a couple well, maybe of a, Yeah. I don't know. I just found this a little bit. Um, 
It's a bit like Attack of the Cybermen. It keeps using the same sound stings. Y- yeah. And it gets yeah. on my nerves. It's not as bad as Attack of the Cybermen with the do do do. Oh, yeah. drove yeah. me crackers. Well, this um, was his last project on Doctor Who, so that says oh. it all. Yeah. <laughs> that was it, was it? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's not awful. No, Don't not. get me wrong. It's not bad. But I did did make a note of that uh, it was just not fitted in, really. I didn't really like it. Yeah. He did the Sea Devils, though, dude. Did he? Yeah, yeah, that was pretty sweet. <laughs> oh man, that that, that is ear shattering. You see, devils. <laughs> Although I kind of like it in a way. Yeah, I, I, I remember putting that on a, um, when I had some a friend around for dinner. I just, she just sat down. I thought I said I'll just put some nice soothing music on. She's like, oh, that'd be nice. <laughs> I put the sea devils on. She was like, what the hell is this? I was like, yeah, it's good, isn't it? So yeah. Oh, so at least we've got that. Yeah. 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 So in this one, you know, you mentioned the scene with the doctor on the exercise bike in the TARDIS and stuff. Yeah. That's the last time Colin ever set foot in the TARDIS room. Is it? Yeah, that was the last time he ever filmed in there. Yeah, because I think, so this must have been the last story they filmed then maybe, because I think his last scene that he filmed um, is in one of those corridors. I remember I remember it come up because I tend to watch these with the production notes. And um, and it said that was the last line that Colin actually ever filmed as the Doctor, and it was such an inconsequential line. I can't even remember what it was. It's just he's just in the corridor, and he's like, "Well, we must go back," or mm-hmm. something like that. And That's right. That was it. They said that was Colin's last thing that he filmed. I mm. thought, God, oh, what? So yeah, this must have been last in the production then. I assume. Yeah, sad times. Mm. Yeah, sad times at your last scene in the TARDIS control room is basically getting trolled by the companion to drink carrot juice. <laughs> so that's bizarre what then. So, that, so they filmed The Ultimate Foe before this, did they? Or did they just go back and reshoot some scenes? I'm, I don't know. How does that work? I don't know. I don't know, dude. I just know that, um, yeah, this was the last scene that he filmed in, in the TARDIS console room. Mm, I shall have to watch the, um, yeah. you know, the featurettes to see what's going on. Because I know that um, when we review the Ultimate Phone next week, I am going to make sure I find time to watch. I know there's a brilliant documentary somewhere on these discs about all the stuff that's going on behind the scenes um, with Eric Saywood and, and Robert Holmes dying and Pip and Jane coming in. So I'm, I'm going to make sure I watch that because it tells you all the yeah, stuff yep. that went on and, um, you know, so that might help explain some of this stuff. Yep. Yeah. Also, you mentioned that the scream that Mel does at the end of <laughs> is ear-shattering. It is. Uh, I didn't know that that had been adjusted. So the scream that you hear is not the actual scream that she did on set that was recorded and picked up. Oh. So what they did was they changed the pitch of the scream to match the opening notes of the of the theme that kicks in at the end. Oh yeah. I think so, I heard that. Yeah. yeah so it's all in yeah. sync. Yeah. So, yeah. Which I thought was a happy accident, but no, they actually, uh, they changed it, did they? They changed it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what do you think? To, there was one thing that I couldn't work out. I must've been having a, a, a brain freeze moment, you know, at the end. So at the end, when the ship is, is, was changed course and it was heading towards the black hole, and the vervoids had released the gas, and the only people that could survive were the um, were the guys, the Megarians. They went into the into the bridge to fix the the course because their storyline was actually kind of cool, which they didn't really dive into too much because they were basically on on board the ship to hijack it, 
um, with the help of the security dude, Rudge, because they felt like all of these things on board were taken from their planet in the first place. Yeah. So, but obviously their plan wasn't to go into the black hole. So they need to, to fix that more than anyone else. So they were the only ones that could go in it because they could survive the poisonous gas. But there was a scene where one of them turns round and says something like, we didn't order any refreshments or anything. And then you just see this like acid or something get thrown onto their helmets. <laughs> and that's how they died. Who, who threw that acid onto those guys then? Who was the, who did that? I don't know. don't know. There's a lot of this about this story. I don't know. <laughs> There's a lot of this going around. Um, yeah, I'm afraid I wasn't paying attention enough. Some I wasn't. One yeah. of our lovely listeners will, will let us know. Yeah, because that, that confused me. Because I thought, well, who's that then? Who's this other mysterious? It was a bit of a Cluedo moment. I was like, you know, it was that person with the acid in the bridge <laughs> at that point. Yeah. Um, yeah, so I couldn't I couldn't figure out who that was. And when I, it, it annoyed me as well because towards the end of the story, I was like, oh, damn it. He's waiting it, for that, that thread to be tied up. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Uh, um, so I don't know. Because when, when I read up on it afterwards last night, the only thing that's sort of documented about it is an unknown assailant kills the Megarians by throwing a liquid at them which damages their suits. Mm. So, but I couldn't, yeah, I couldn't who, figure out who that was. Who would have done it? Mm, it's yeah, probably uh doland <laughs> is he still around at this point or has he been killed yeah no yeah he's yeah he's uh doland's around yeah mm. yes so anyway i didn't know if you knew because i I'm no unclear. i didn't mate sorry i i zoned out so much in this story yeah listeners I really did. yeah listeners please help with that one yeah. we don't know who killed the megarians mm. and i'd like to know maybe it's in the book um i'm looking at the cover of the target book and it's well yeah <laughs> yeah it's not um it's not yeah. chris achilleos is it, it, it well i'm more more the the well it just looks a bit i mean it wouldn't look out of place in a come on steady adult shop steady. would it <laughs> um yeah but maybe it's explained in the book <laughs> maybe yeah it probably will be actually because the target books to go on, on top of your big pile of books you haven't read <laughs> this could be the one to get me um because i went <laughs> last couple of years i've read a ton of the uh the target books but i haven't read any for a while Oh, this will be the one, would it? Let's this get This will be the, the one, yeah. Oh, Let's get it. I'll um, get on eBay later, see if I can find it. <laughs> uh, yes, yeah, so I'd like to know that. So listeners to help out with that one. Uh, did you see these at the the costumes for these at the Doctor Who experience? I think I did. Yes, I seen I feel like I've seen the actual costumes. I can't remember if it was at the experience or um the festival thing that we went to but yeah i feel like i've seen these yeah. for real somewhere but, yeah yeah they look completely different than they did on screen i don't know if that's because just time and uh they? atmosphere remember. have got to them but so in the in the on screen the the top of their heads like the the external brain i suppose mm. and the bits along the side of their mouth that was like really light on screen they're almost sort of a really light creamy color but then when you see them up close, these are actually quite dark, like a dark burgundy colour on the side of their faces. And the top of their heads is like a real sort of dark orangey kind of colour. So they actually look quite cool, sort of in person. They don't look like the... Uh, they just look really light, really pale. Does that, does that come back a bit to what I was saying earlier about the way they were shot? Just Probably. Maybe it wasn't, yeah. wasn't good. Yeah. Uh, what do you think to... 
there wasn't as much. So in the last couple of episodes, we've been treated to that really nice little uh, couple of exterior spaceship shots that kind of look a bit red dwarfy. Yeah. Uh, we didn't have much of that, did we, in this one? We had one oh. shot. We had one shot where you saw the external view of the of the Hyperion. But that was it. Yeah, I mean, that model didn't look as good, did it? No. no. <laughs> Nowhere near no. as good. And there was a, quite a bit of blue screen going on as well, wasn't there, in this? Unnecessarily, I thought. Blue screen? Yeah. So there's a, when they're on the bridge... So in the windows, oh, yes, yeah, yeah. You know, they're all these, uh, like just space scenes. It was just stark black with like white, you know, round stars knocking around. And there was a bit where the Doctor and Mel are up on this sort of um, gangway. They've gone up these steps, a gangway, and that's what I think that's where they're observing something that's going on. Yeah, down below, and that's all done in front of a big blue screen, and it it doesn't look too bad, but because the technology wasn't quite there at the time all of their hairs like all cut off and they look like, you know, it's well, a very Colin's hair effect. must have been a nightmare to green screen back. Well, they both were. Think about Mel and his yeah. hair. Oh yeah, big... Mel, yeah, with the, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah, weird. I thought, why would you do that? There's no need to do that there. Mm, try, yeah, I know what you mean. I, just, just trying to be adventurous, I think. Um, but yeah, it didn't, yeah, I didn't really need it. I, I must admit the, the picture. So when they first go on the ship, uh, you know, with um, Captain Travers, you know, on the uh, starship, but they're, they're in the actual room, and there's that space sort of vortex, you know, on on the screen. I thought it looked so washed out. I was, I thought my screen was black and white at first. Did you? <laughs> it it seems really void of color. That, yeah, a little bit. The um, the yeah. sort of the starship uh, scenes. I don't know, and I I wonder if that sent something to do with the green screen. Maybe just yeah, it looks really washed out to me. Yeah. Yeah, I think I know what you mean. It's um, I, I, it might have been just an, a problem that plagued some of these these episodes because some of it just looked a bit, uh, or maybe maybe it was worse on the on the old original DVDs. I can't remember. But um, for these the blue guy watched it on the Blu-ray set. They didn't look too bad. Mm. Um, but I do remember on the old the older DVD releases, they did. It does look a bit faded if that's the right word, like a bit sort of desaturated and faded. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, desaturated. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah, I completely, yeah, I see what you mean. Yeah. Um, yeah, I can't think of this. There wasn't anything else that stood out to me like, oh, that looks really bad. Uh, no, no, I just, uh, to be honest, I mean, I'll tell you the thing, uh, for generally I thought the sets looked a bit drab. But the, the one set I thought kind of worked, and it's quite simple, is, you know, when the vervoids hatch, and that's like you said, that cliffhanger, and you see the claw pod thing come out. That was all done really well. Like that tracking shot that goes from that to Mel screaming to everything exploding, and that was a great shot. You know, um, I yeah. just wish we'd seen a bit more of that from the yeah. direction, really, because you know, it, as I said, the rest of it just felt very, very still, and I don't know, just no, no oomph to it at all. Yeah, that's a thing that I, that's like the overarching problem i think with this this story there's no oomph to any of it there's no oomph no you know who directed this one who was it um chris mallet wasn't it oh chris clough sorry chris clough yeah yeah mind you looking at some of his other ones he did the next one as well the ultimate foe uh delta happiness patrol he did quite a few for mccoy didn't he 
Dragonfire. Yeah. See, they're not too well. Actually, yeah. Now I'm reading these, you can definitely tell his style is very static. Yeah. Very um. Very much like let's put a, ca- a camera to view these guys talking, and then we're just going to follow this person down the corridor. It's very much that, isn't it? There's yeah, no, it just, no that's, big... that's the way it feel like. Yeah, yeah. Apart from that one tracking shot where you said, "Yeah, well, you know, we want a camera zooming back here, get it all in." That was the only one, really. Yeah, and there wasn't um, the, the, like in some of them, you get like these nice sort of sweeping camera movements and these panning shots and stuff. There's none of that really, is there? No. With this, I mean, it's uh, you walk in like when you go to the scene where anytime you go onto the bridge and you've got um, uh, what's his name, Travers. Commodore Travers and those guys sitting there, they're just sat down. You know, nobody's up and doing anything. It's very, uh, sort of, yeah, static. And like, you know, the doctor goes in and at the start of the scene, at some of those scenes, you think it's going to be pretty cool because the doctor comes in and he's a little bit bubbly and, mm. you know, it's cool and Mel's there. And then Travers, sometimes you can tell he's going to erupt into a big ruck with the doctor. <laughs> but then no, that he just sort of simmers down and he's like, oh, okay, go on. And here's the key. Here's the key to the vault. Go and knock yourself out. You know, he just can't be bothered. He's like, oh. Yeah. Because that's the other thing as well that's kind of weird is that this guy, Travers, seems to have run into the doctor before. It, it sounded like. Because the because he's very much like, oh, brilliant. This is you're all here. I need. Yeah, you're here. Yeah. So you think there'd be some really cool banter between the two of them. And I think they tried to write that in a little bit as the story goes through. But ultimately, it just ended up with Travers just caving in all the time he's like absolutely under no circumstances is this man to do whatever and then the doctor comes in he's like oh actually yeah i've changed my mind give I've, him the list i've changed my yeah. mind yeah go and do this go and do that yeah. i think that was a plan to begin with so i think they so travers and rudge at the beginning uh he was like actually no i've i've, I've experienced this dude before give him enough rope and he'll hang himself so just go and let him do his thing for a minute but then it gets out of control but then travers never reins him back in like there's been so many stories where people have said to the doctor i want you out of here you know i want you gone this is you know your trouble sort of thing and i think travers is thinking that at times but never really says it yeah. he just sort of caves like a little yeah yeah we could yeah we could have had more ruckus between the doctor and travers i'm just intrigued that you know like even mel i don't think even says like how do you know him then they just sort of throw it in there but it's not really made anything yeah. opposite at all yeah they don't really explore much do they no uh right anything else any other characters right so on a black one then uh really not doing too much is she no but so. i did like her in it did you? I thought she, yeah, I did. I think because I think she just she always plays that sort of part, doesn't she? The sort of battle axe. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I thought she was all right because I think where sometimes when you when you get these guest stars um, in the J and T era, they very often not you know like Beryl Reed, they're, they're very often out of place, and you think, oh, what you know, they're very miscast. Whereas I thought on the Blackman, she's just playing that sort of annoying cruise liner customer who obviously turns out to be a bit more than that. But I thought, yeah, she was quite suited to that role. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. She was definitely um, a, a pull for the ratings uh, earlier on. There's, um, I found this uh, Radio Times advert and oh, it yeah. just had a black and white photo of her. And the, the tagline on the photo said, glamorous passenger on a space liner <laughs> heading for disaster 
Honor Blackman plays suspect scientist Professor Lasky. <laughs> BBC One, 545, Doctor Who. Brilliant. Yeah, well, she's, she's, yeah, she's a Bond girl. She's a big, she was a big name, actually, yeah. back then. She yeah. recently passed as well, didn't she, which is sad. And, yeah, um, yeah. yeah she was, yeah. I, I liked her. You know, I think she's, she was all right. Talking of the, uh, the ratings and stuff, roughly just over 5 million viewers per part. It's not too bad. That's not too bad, is it? Not really. All things considered. Mm. Mm. Anything else, dude, to run through with this one? Anything um, else on your list? I know you've got a few I'm, notes littered around. Yeah, I've got my notes. I was looking for a minute. I, I don't think so. I'm looking through. Um, no, I think I've pretty much covered it, uh, to be honest with you. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, I haven't got too much, mate. It's a real shame for this one, mate. I'll be honest with you because... I honestly was really hoping for this to pick up because I know some people go up and down with trial of a time order as they go through it. But Mm. for me so far, it started off pretty decent and now we've gone downhill since part one, the mysterious planet. So I'm really hoping that next week, the ultimate foe, uh, it, it picks up a little bit and we have some, some oomph and some enthusiasm from the cast and stuff. So I think next week's going to be interesting. Um, I'm quite looking forward to, ultimate foe to see how this all ties up i mean i've seen it before obviously but uh, I, this is not a series i go to very often and i honestly can't remember how this all comes together um i was myself quite looking forward to watching terror of the vervoids it is the story that i remember least of from this series but unfortunately i haven't rewatched it i think i now know why um but I, you know the murder mystery thing and and that I was kind of looking forward to going back to this one. I think that's why I'm a bit disappointed in it, because I remembered the Vervoids. I remember that tracking shot. I remember on a Blackman murder mystery. I thought, oh, yeah, I'm looking forward to this. It just, yeah, just really didn't do anything for me, sadly, this one. Yeah, I read your bud. Yeah, mm-hmm. it just sort of plods along like last week to me. Mm. Plods oh, I, I definitely preferred Mind Warp, definitely. Mind Warp. Yeah, I preferred Mind Warp to this, mm. which is not, yeah. yeah. Anyways. What did you rate? What did you rate? Mind Warp four point five. Oh God! So yeah, what the hell are you going to rate this? Yeah, we're going. Oh. we're going downhill, mate, with this one. So actually, it's my turn to go right. first. So it is. Uh, it is. Yeah, I'm actually going to score it slightly lower. Actually, I'm going with a four. Yeah, I was going to say. Um, I wrote four point five. <laughs> that does seem. That does seem really low. Is it that bad or was I just not in the mood for it? That's what I'm asking myself because I really don't think, I think if I was in a different mood, I might have slightly enjoyed it more. Not much. Um, I'm going to go over five. I'm going to be a bit generous with it. I'm going to go over five because I genuinely think I just wasn't in the mood for this story at all. I couldn't get into it, but I don't think it's as bad, that bad. Okay. I'll go over five. Go with the five. Middle of the road. Yeah. Middle of the road. Okay. So just a bit of context for anyone that didn't listen from the start of the month for the Mysterious Planet. uh, Adam gave it a 6.5. I gave that a 6. Last week for Mind Warp, Adam gave it a 5. Sorry, gave it a 7. Sorry. 7. And I, yeah, I gave it a 4.5. And now this week I'm down to a 4 and Adam's given it a 5. Yeah. Okie dokie. What did our awesome listeners think? We had a, we had a half a dozen uh, really cool reviews in. As always, let's kick off with Sammy from Down Under. G'day, Gary and Adam. Sammy Satin here. So, Terror of the Vervoids. Back in the days when we could meet up, the Doctor Who fan club screened this story and the then president decided to get a bunch of succulents and have them available for club members to take home as their own vervoid. 
Shout out to the members of the fan club. Love you guys. Look forward to seeing your happy faces at some point. Anyway, um, the story is alright. It's not wonderful. Mel's alright. I don't find her nearly as annoying as Tegan. Sorry, Tegan. I give it six vervoids out of ten. Stay safe. Wash your hands. See ya. A six. A six? Oh, that's nice. I didn't know that about Dwas. That's interesting. Uh, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I hope you're staying safe, Sammy, also. Thank you very much, as always. Uh, right, moving on. Cheeky Chappy, Alex Kingdom. Hello, Gary and Adam of the Big Blue Box podcast. How are you doing? Today, it's terror of the... of the... The voids, but... I, oh, guys, I mean, oh, no. I'll keep it PG, but Jesus Christ. Ugh. <laughs> right. What do I think of this story? <laughs> It's definitely my least favourite of the bunch so far. Now, look, guys, I'm sorry, but I can't get past their design. It brings in Mel, who is my least favourite companion of all time. Sorry, Bonnie. But, hey. Hey, at least we still had Colin. So, for that point only, it gets a two. But, oh, no. I never want to see... Uh, thankfully, they'll never bring them back. I don't want to see those vervoids again. Sorry, guys, but for me, it's a 2 out of 10. Hopefully, we can end off with a good episode for the ultimate foe, but... Ooh. Oh, dear. Alex, loving it there. A oh, 2. <laughs> a 2 from Alex. Crikey, Moses. I could tell you weren't into that at all, mate. Crikey. I wonder what he was going to say. Yeah, I was, I was like, I was, we're a family podcast, Alex. Yeah, I was hovering over the edit, the edit <laughs> button there. They're going to pull him off, get, you know, the cane that comes in and drags someone off the stage. Yeah, the hook, yeah. yeah. Uh, crikey. Anyway, a two from Alex, bloody hell. Uh, right, this is uh, Ian, Ian from Francie and Stevens. Oh. He's got a slightly longer review because uh, he's missed the last couple of weeks. I just wanted to put his thoughts on last week as well. So here we go, Ian Stevens. Hi. Ian from France here. Sorry, life got in the way and I missed the last two audio reviews. So in brief, Mysterious Planet, the funniest two script ever written. If you take this seriously and can't see the humour, you've totally missed the point. Mind Warp, the nadir of classic who, utterly objectionable on every level and Brian Blessed deserves to have his equity card shredded for his performance. Minus five out of ten. Now, terror of the vervoids. What's that? A piece of lettuce? Mmm, looks tasty. But wait, maybe it has feelings too. A strange story this, both clinical and claustrophobic. The setting is inspired and reminiscent of the Troughton era. No one's getting out of here. And there's something big and scary out to get us all. It's the thing, right? Only instead of a shape-shifting monstrosity, it's massive cucumbers. Plus points. The design <laughs> of the vervoids. Brilliant. Okay, they look like massive vaginas. But since when has that ever been a problem, really? Colin is on point. He is decisive and distinctly doctorish. On a blackman, as the stunt casting works well, which is unusual for who, to be honest. The negatives, well, there's only one really. 
It's Mel. Bonnie Langford as a companion was such a terrible idea. It is really hard to forgive. Take someone more suitable to Panto or Blue Peter and put her in Who. And what you get is the moment Who became a kid's show. Something it had never truly been before. Listen, I'm sure she's a lovely woman. But as an actor, she is woeful. And as a companion, well... Let's just say that New Who's Ryan is doing a better job and leave it at that. Do I think Terror of the Vervoids is a good story? No. Do I love it? Yes. Long live the leaf. Eight leafy vulvas out of ten. Alors, ça suffit. Je partis. A bientôt, mes amis. Et mange pas. Les legumes, ils se souviendront. Don't eat the vegetables, they will remember. <laughs> Long live the leaf. The leaf. I'm making that hashtag. Ah, <laughs> uh, Ian. I don't even know where to start, mate. <laughs> they turned out to be cucumbers, indeed. Brilliant. So, yeah, not a fan of the story, but you love it regardless. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Enjoyable review as always. Thank you very much, Ian. Uh, moving on. This is Blair Donnelly. Now, Blair, I must have a, a say a big apology. Blair sent in a review last week, but for some strange reason, I just didn't play it. I've no idea why. I just didn't. I just must. It must have slipped through the net. So apologies, Blair. But anyway, here is Blair's review. Hi, guys. Blair from Ontario, Canada. So far, my favorite story of the arc. I like a whodunit type episode. This has a murder on the Orient Express slash clue vibe to it. The everyone has something to hide list of characters. Each of the characters has their own unique and interesting motives and were working independently on their own schemes. I didn't mind the vervoids either, despite their appearance. I like how we just get introduced to Mel. She appears on screen and she's already had some adventures with the doctor. A unique way to meet a new companion. Mel wasn't as bad as I remember until I heard the scream. She must have been contractually obligated to scream in every episode. In the previous two stories, I found myself wanting more courtroom scenes, as I found them more interesting. However, in this episode, I was way more invested in the story, so I didn't mind not having as many scenes this time. I liked how the Doctor uses these events in his defense, only to have it backfire in the last scene. Overall, a solid story. I scored 8.5. I'm looking forward to the finale and really hope it lives up to my original memory of it. Okay, okay. Interesting, yeah. I wanted more. Uh, no, sorry, uh, less courtroom scenes. That's that's the opposite to me. I was hoping for more, but yeah, interesting. Glad interesting. you enjoyed it. Yeah, glad you enjoyed that, Blair. Blair. Nice one. Uh, this is, next up, Martin Arnold. Wait a minute. They don't look like plants. They look like Terror of the Vervoids. I quite like, actually. I think it's not bad. I don't like Mel. Uh, I don't think I need to explain why I don't like Mel. Um, it's something to do with being able to consistently hear things after listening to shrill screaming. <laughs> oh, I guess she can't help it. That's just Bonnie Langford's voice, bless her. But oh, yeah, yeah. Um, this could have sat alongside Nightmare of Eden um, in Doctor Who's penultimate season or, um, you know, around that time. Uh, it, it doesn't feel out of place with those episodes at all. Uh, the, the Vervoids themselves are kind of victims. It's a science gone wrong story. It's a classic Who trope and it's done pretty well. I mean, okay, we can all have a bit of a giggle at the costumes and I think we all should pause for a good-hearted giggle. Um, they look like, I don't know, 
I give this a 7 out of 10. It's as good as Mysterious Planet. Um, it's better than Mind Warp. Um, yeah, I think I think it's all right. Laters. Okay, better than Mind Warp. Okay, mm. dokie. Thank you, Dokes. Mm. Another good one. Thank you very much, Martin. And lastly, this is Seb Lane. Hello, Gary and Adam. So, um, wow, we're over halfway through Trial of a Time Lord, which is incredible. It's gone so quickly, actually. Um, I would say I'm enjoying the series so far. Um, but Terror of the Vervoids, I would say I enjoyed it. I think it was just a well-round, decent story that um, was enjoyable. So, Anna Blackman was great. Of course, she was the standout of the side cast, in my opinion. Um, I think most of the side cast were pretty strong in this, to be honest. Um, I'm, I'm a fan of Mel, actually, so she was a highlight for me. Colin Baker was good as the Doctor, and it was just a solid story, in my opinion. I enjoyed it. There wasn't anything too wrong of it at all. So I would give it a 7.5 out of 10. See you in the next one. 7.5. 7.5 from Seb. Cheers, Seb. Yeah. Do you know what? Some decent scores in there overall. Mm. Mm. Some decent ones. I must admit, the whole trial of a Time Lord thing, I was, I honestly thought we would get a lot more negative reviews for it just because of that's just what people talk about when it concerns trial of a Time Lord. People mm. never sort of throw any love towards it and it's never got any decent scores really. So it, although we haven't been too impressed with this week's, uh, story. It's really cool that there are plenty of people out there that do like it and do appreciate the uh, like Ian and Seb and, and Martin. So yeah, it's cool. So thank you very much, guys, for your audio clips, your audio reviews. Very much appreciated. The best part of the show. So mm-hmm. thank you very much. Um, let's move on to some of the social stuff. Over on Twitter, we had a few there. Caitlin Dalek said another decent story by Pip and Jane, which is uh, one I was a bit mixed on at first, but looking back, I did mostly enjoy it. The Doctor and Mel were a fantastic duo together. I really like the design of the Vervoids. Uh, the Valyard is brilliant as always. A 7 out of 10. Uh, John Griffiths, uh, if you don't know what the story is being selectively retold by the Valyard, you'd wonder why Perry isn't being moored and Mel not saying it's bigger on the inside. True. Interesting, yeah. Much better court scene ramped up. Mel, a great addition, and the Doctor in good form. Seven Triffids from me. <laughs> uh, Nathan, Silent Nerd, C137. Uh, this is my personal favourite story from The Trial of a Time Lord. I love the murder mystery theme of the story. I adore Mel. She's a great companion. And I think we establish a relationship between her and Sixie so quickly, considering this is her debut story, a nine out of 10. Our writer, Jordan Shortman, my favorite from the trial of a time Lord. Jordan. Yeah. I think six and Mel work brilliantly well together, especially as this episode shows a softer side to Sixie, something we should have seen much sooner. Uh, It's a great mystery for them to solve too. a fun runaround story. Yeah, there's definitely, yeah. I guess say one thing I did notice in the story, and it does come up with what it's just said there, is that you can definitely see the difference in the progression of the Sixth Doctor in this. Yes. Like can. like I said earlier, if you compare it to the Twin Dilemma Doctor, he's, you know, you can definitely see where Colin was going with it. Defo, defo, yep. Uh, Rick Moran from the Dwass uh, says, for me, the highlight of the season. Oh. Uh, I love this, a proper whodunit in space. Colin is excellent. Plus, Honor Blackman gives a solid guest performance. Bonnie gives Mel a strong start, and the Vervoids make for an interesting psychological monster, a big 8 out of 10. Cheers, Rick. Edward Galuli. I quite enjoy this one. I like the whodunit, a 6.5. The Lost on Gallifrey podcast, chaps. Uh, Surely old Sixie could have picked a better story than this to show off the court, to show to the court. Why not something casual like Black Orchid? (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Anyway, banging cliffhanger to part one. 
uh, and love the laundry basket sequence, but probably my least favorite of the season of 5.5. Okay. Uh, Max, Max cat 36. I love this episode. Colin was amazing, but for goodness sake, Liz stopped screaming. (laughs) The story itself gave my unicorn and the wasp vibes, uh, but I did start drifting away between two and three. I give it a solid six out of 10 uh, and then followed it up and said, no, I think that's a bit harsh. I'm going to give it a 7.5 out of 10. Mm, okay. So some good scores over on Twitter. And then we had a few on Facebook. Uh, Dan Hickey, uh, I have to say I enjoyed this the most from the three so far. Uh, much prefer Mel to Perry, uh, but this is my first venture into Classic Who, but enjoying it so far, a seven. Oh, all right. Ooh. Your first venture into Classic Who. Well, wow, Dan... You're in for a real treat once you get this out of the way, mate. I can yeah. <laughs> tell you that. Uh, thank you very much. Aaron Ball says, uh, uh, hope you're safe and well. I enjoy this story. A fun mystery and sexy amount are a nice team up. The vervoids are interesting. Um, uh, interesting. Hope Big Finish does something with them. Uh, the trial scenes are good in this as well as it fits with the Valyard's evidence, even though uh, we know that he is up to no good. Uh, story is starting to get going now. I'll give it a 7.5. They don't. They don't speak, though, do they? Or do they speak? They do. Of course, they do. They've got this very. Oh yes, they talk very quiet. Yeah. Uh, thank you very much, Aaron. Rob Doyle. <laughs> I also really like this story. It's much better than the previous two. Unfortunately, Bonnie Langford's scream is annoying. Uh, as always, uh, seems to be the case. Her character is much better developed on Big Finish. Poor old uh, Bonnie's getting some yeah, stick. Yeah. Um, uh, the trial scenes really work well in the story, and the sets and creatures look a bit like a, like a bit of money was spent on them. Seven out of ten. Uh, Charlie Turner, possibly the weakest of the season, but still okay at best. Still loving the Valyard. Four out of ten for the story. Nine out of ten for Michael Jason's performance. <laughs> he loves Michael, yeah. yeah. And lastly, Joseph Howarth. Uh, this was by far the worst story in the saga. The story was utter garbage. The dialogue is abysmal and the vervoids just look like if a corn on the cob were to be mixed with plants and a particular part of the human body, which I can't say because of this podcast. Mm. The trial scenes at this point are just padding. Uh, the less I say about Mel, the better. I really think, I really don't think I need to say any more. Uh, this story is crap. 3.5. Right. <laughs> oh, <dear. 3>. <laughs> oh dear. So a couple of, um, Poor scores in there, but again, dude, over on Twitter and Facebook, some sevens and eights, even a nine. Mm, so yeah, mixed bag. It's not all bad for uh, for old sexy and vervoids. No. Uh, and our scores, uh, just to recap, uh, a five from him and a four from me. What are we up to next week, dude? Yeah, so we'll be wrapping up Trial of a Time Lord uh, with the ultimate foe. The ultimate, the ultimate foe. foe. Is that written by Pippa Jane? Got a feeling it is. Yeah. Got a feeling they were drafted in it to is. do that one. Yes. Yep. So ultimate foe next week. Ultimate foe. Oh, indeed. it's only two episodes. Oh gosh. In my head I thought it was a four parter. Right. No, it's not two parts, is it? Oh uh, it is, it is, yeah. It's it two is. Two parts, yeah. Wow. Okay. Yeah, Pip and Jane off on holiday, it seems. Are they? Well, I'm just saying it's only two. <laughs> we want four <laughs> parts, Pip. Well Oh, I see what you mean. All oh, right. <laughs> well, Jane wants to go on holiday, mate. So you can have two. We'll give you two before we go, and then two afterwards if you need them. Uh, two will do. <laughs> two will do. Uh, right, so, yeah, that's going to wrap, I think. Four, two, six, eight. All righty.
Thank you, thank you, thank you for sticking with us and listening to this week, episode 268. Uh, a couple of cool bits of merch if you're into that stuff. A really cool book on the way. I think I might pick that one up. I love those big form coffee table style books. Very, very cool. Another one for me not to read. And the B&M set, <laughs> that's going to be fun in games. That's going to be fun in games. I'll tell you what. The... I'll be in my hospital bed saying, Gary, I got them. <laughs> I also got Corona, but I got them. <laughs> well, I was going to say, it's going to be interesting looking at Twitter for the 48 hours after they get released, because oh. that's always just fun in games with that lot. So, uh, yeah, that's going to be fun. Uh, <laughs> but yes, thank you for listening for another week. Uh, next week, as Adam said, we're on to the final part of Trial of a Time Lord, the ultimate foe. So get that watch, get your DVDs and Blu-rays out because we'll be asking for your thoughts as always on that. In the meantime, head over to the website, Big Blue Box Podcast at Coda UK. You can listen to all of the uh, previous shows on there. Uh, plus our wonderful writing team put out loads of really cool articles over the past week. We've had Maria who's put out a really cool, massive, in-depth review of the final two parts of Series 12, which is really cool. Very good, yes. Very, very good. Re- uh, and then we've got Jordan, who's um, doing a lot of Big Finish stuff at the minute. He's reviewed uh, the... He's gone into the Big Finish vault, so he's looked at um, uh, Whispers of Terror, which is actually a Colin Baker story. Colin, yeah. Um, and uh, The Land of the Dead, uh, which is really cool. Uh, he's also looked at Class Volume 4, which I think might be the final one for Big Finish for Class for a while. So far, yeah. And uh, he's also continued his review of these old Virgin adventure books, which is really cool. So, um, uh, the left- find the time. Uh, yeah, he's, he's on fire at the minute, Jordan. So, yeah. The Left-Handed Hummingbird, which is a McCoy story. So, loads of really cool stuff over there on the website. Uh, remember to subscribe to the show. Uh, head over to whatever app you listen to podcasts on, do a search, drop a sub there, or there's links on the website. Plus we're on the socials too, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Come and connect over there, just do a search for us or go to the website. And we're on Discord as well. Come and join the Discord server. Come and chat. Uh, plenty of Doctor Who. Also check out my co-host channel over on YouTube, The Geek's Handbag. Yes, Geek's Handbag. Yeah, plenty and of vids on there. Loads of vids over there. And Adam's on the socials as well. The same name, The Geek's Handbag. Come and get involved. Come and chat. Uh, plenty of who there's loads going on with who at the minute so come and get involved over there we're all over it until next week my name's Gary (laughs) my name's Adam and remember Uh...